Join us October 3rd and celebrate 25 years of changing the world through literature at Nuestra Palabra 2022. Hear from current Texas Poet Laureate Lupe Mendez, playwright Alvaro Sarrios, race and justice reporter Russell Contreras, and many more. Experience full cultural immersion and celebrate the long-held tradition of Danza Azteca. And me, radio host, activist, and author Tony Diaz, El Libro Traficante. I'll be on hand to meet you sign my latest book, The Tip of the Pyramid. Reserve tickets today at NuestraPalabra.org. This is Nuestra Palabra, Latino writers having their say on the air. Tuning you into the Latino literary renaissance in all its splendor. Interviews, teatro, rap, fiction, poetry, memorias, composer spotlights, and more. Always mas. You are tuning in to a multi-platform broadcast of Nuestra Palabra, Latino writers having their say. I'm Tony Diaz, El Libro Traficante, author of The Tip of the Pyramid, Cultivating Community Cultural Capital. And we are bringing you Community Cultural Capital today. We have a fantastic show and you're going to experience the video on fox26houston.com. You're going to hear the audio on where our media trajectory started, 90.1 FM, KPFT, Houston's community station. And I got to remind you, if you're a listener, you know we're community run. So if you can make a donation, please go to kpft.org and donate in the name of Nuestra Palabra, Latino writers having their say. Of course, we're across social media, but we're also in person. And today, we are bringing you some of the key figures that are going to make our next awesome event possible. It is October 3rd, 6 p.m. at the Alley Theater. Our friends are on screen. You'll hear more about their role in this, but I want to say hi to them. Welcome to a tu casa, amigo. It's Valdemar Rodriguez with the Alley Theater. Brother, thank you for joining us today and all that you're doing to make this possible. Well, uh, I'm so glad to be here, uh, Tony. Uh, you've been a pioneer uh, and you've been a, a lover of, uh, of the cultural arts and uh, working with you in all capacities on behalf of the Alley Theater. We're so excited. Um, uh, thank you for having me on your show and, and, and to give us a platform to be able to, to talk about what we're doing culturally and with the arts in our community ongoing. And so I'm, I'm, I'm excited and, and appreciate it for the invitation to be here. Thank you so much. And you mentioned the Alley Theater. We've mentioned Nuestra Palabra. We've mentioned KPFT. We've got several folks on the lineup mm -hmm. that people are really going to enjoy. It's going to start with Aztec Danza. But what I love is it is about the youth and the next generation. And I want to first introduce him, but then we're going to have him present live right now on our platforms. Uh, Alan Aguilar. Alan, muy bienvenido a Nuestra Palabra Latino Writers Heaven to Say. Thank you for joining us. Say hi gracias. to the community. Hola, hola. Muchas gracias por invitarme. Mi nombre es Alan Aguilar y tengo 13 años. Fantástico. You're a student at Patrick Henry Middle School. 
and you demonstrated your talent in mariachi music since the age of six. Desde los seis años, ya, ya eres veterano, pero super jovencito. You're the first place <laughs> winner of the most renowned mariachi singing competition worldwide. Mariachi Vargas National Vocal Contest 2021 in San Antonio. Oh. Oye, ¿te pusiste nervioso ese día o cómo, cómo te sentiste en esa competición? Pues ese día fue un día muy, muy nervioso porque, porque era, iba a ser mi primera vez yendo a ese concurso. Y pues sí, estaba nervioso, me sentía así como raro, como que mi cuerpo no reaccionaba. Pero pues lo, lo hice y alcancé a llevar primer lugar en el concurso. Sí. Well, you know, as, if I can reiterate what you're saying, you know, it's a, you know, as, as a young person, you know, at a very young age and going out there and, and not just for a room of 10, 15 people of your family, you're out there with the public, you know, him being nervous, uh, the, the hands are sweating, you know, you just, you don't even know which way to turn and you're so overwhelmed. And so, uh, you know, that experience, I've seen him several, uh, uh, several opportunities, you know, he goes in there, he starts kind of nervous, right, Alan? He makes a little switch like you do in a little bit and you'll see it the day of the event and he just becomes a pro. So we're, we're so grateful that you're here with us uh, representing Alan. Gracias, gracias. He's also received the special recognition from Congresswoman Sylvia Garcia for his incredible talent as a mariachi performer. Mm -hmm. And now with the support of parents and his teacher, Jose Longoria, toma clases de música en la de Houston. <laughs> he's, he's so young. He's like the Hoogie Dowser. Whatever <laughs> that young doctor's name was, Doogie Hauser. Doogie Hauser, MG, there you go. Música. Hey, Doogie Hauser, mariachi. Instrumentos, guitarra, violin, y vihuela. And he also, his favorite songs in, para interpretar son Pelea de Gallos, Canta, 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 Mi Reina y Mi Tesoro. And um, we're about to hear you perform, pero mira, me da mucho orgullo que tengas este, este ánimo. We're so proud of how confident you are. And what I want people to understand is that all of our youth are capable of this. And we just demand that all of them have the chance that they have to prove themselves. I don't even care about that you won or not. I'm proud of you for winning. I'm more than that proud of you for competing. Y me encanta que puedes expresar que tuviste nervio because to me, that's the brave part. Like I tell students, mm. whatever you feel, yo siento lo mismo, pero a mí me encanta. I love that feeling. It's an adrenaline rush. So primeramente, te felicito. ¿Y te gusta, te gusta estar en el escenario? Sí, a, a, mí, a, mí, a mí siempre me ha encantado a, como escuchar los aplausos de la gente y, o después que se acercan y me dicen, o me felicitan, me saludan, me piden fotos y se siente, pues, 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 se siente bien, a mí me gusta eso y por eso es que a mí me gusta andar, a, ¿cómo se llama? Cantando en todo tipo de lugar. I love it. Why? Because they're learning discipline, they're learning about mm -hmm. culture, Art. They're learning so many skills because of its art. He's learning how to speak on stage to, to so many different people. But more than anything, coming to terms with those feelings, anxieties, and then building on that for the next goal, the next goal, the next goal. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm going to stop talking because on Monday, October 3rd at 6 p.m., he'll be part of Nuestra Palabra and Alley Theater Circle Committee celebration of Houston's community cat cultural capital, Houstonians who have shaped the nation. And I tell you what, if right now on this platform, if you love his voice and his presentation, imagine what it's going to feel like. 
Imagine how you will tremble when he's on stage in front of hundreds utilizing the technical capacity of one of the leading theaters in the nation, Alley Theater. Por favor, ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Alan Aguilar Interpretando el Rey. Hit it! Yo sé bien que estoy afuera, pero el día en que yo me muera, sé que tendrás que llorar. Llorar y llorar, llorar y llorar. Dirás que no me quisiste, pero vas a estar muy triste y así te vas a quedar. Con dinero y sin dinero. Siempre lo que quiero Y mi palabra es la ley No tengo trono ni reina Ni nadie que me comprenda Pero sigo siendo Fantastic. And of course, I think um, one thing I love about our audio broadcast, it, it part of it airs on free radio. So on every highway in Houston right now, la gente are singing with you because that's like the favorite song, the favorite song of people. Fantastic. Cuéntanos por qué esa es una de tus interpretaciones favoritas. Pues una, una razón muy grande es porque pues, casi todos se la saben, ¿verdad? Todos, todos conocen a Vicente y pues, todos se saben su canción, que es la del rey. Y otra porque, porque cuando estoy, bueno, ya que, ¿cómo se llama? Ya que falleció Vicente, cuando la canto me siento así como, como que lo estoy representando cada vez que la interpreto. That's fantastic. Baldemar, what were you going to add? No, lo que quería decir ahorita que estaba, eh, aquí tengo yo conmigo a mi padre que ya tiene 92 años. Mi viejito está aquí y les, estaba escuchando la canción de Allen ahorita en el, en el intermedio. Y sus ojitos, los ojitos se abrieron y 
y volteó para acá. Esas, esas canciones que, que les llega al corazón a nuestros viejitos, uh -huh. a nuestros padres, abuelitos, a nosotros, que también pues, es nuestra canción de, 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 de herencia que nos dejó la, los artistas uh, en, en, en nuestra comunidad eh, y es un legado que nos han dejado. So, es muy bonito, Alente, nuevamente felicito porque Gracias. estás tú tomando este, o sea, estás donde la gente que ya pasó a mejor vida, donde ellos pararon, tu generación está viniendo y está representando, como dijiste, está representando con las canciones, con tu voz, con ese don que Dios te sí. dio. With the gift that God gave you, that voice, you're representing our culture by keeping mm -hmm. those songs, keeping those lyrics. And the people that are, yeah, you know, in the third age, you know, they hear those and their ears perk up. And they're sí. like my dad right now. So congratulations for letting me witness that moment as you were singing. Gracias, gracias. Join us October 3rd and celebrate 25 years of changing the world through literature at Nuestra Palabra 2022. Hear from current Texas Poet Laureate Lupe Mendez, playwright Alvaro Sarrios, race and justice reporter Russell Contreras, and many more. Experience full cultural immersion and celebrate the long-held tradition of Danza Azteca. And me, radio host, activist, and author Tony Diaz, El Libro Traficante. I'll be on hand to meet you sign my latest book, The Tip of the Pyramid. Reserve tickets today at NuestraPalabra.org. And, of course, that day we're going to celebrate folks that have had this long trajectory. So, for example, um, we, we talked to Russell Contreras, who started, you know, his career here in Houston. He attended Eisenhower High School. Now he is the National Justice and Race Reporter for Axios News. Pero también estamos animando la juventud because they're going to get there. So one of our partners who made this all possible is Valdemar Rodriguez, who has a very important role at the Alley Theater. And you're taking this partnership to the next level because El Zócalo Committee has been doing a lot of work over several years. So tell us a little bit about the Zócalo Committee again, because I'm proud to serve on there. But I want to remind people about the work that you're doing. Yeah, well, well, thank you very much. Uh, thank you very much, Tony. You know, El Zócalo initiative, uh, initiative was started about six, seven years ago from uh, two individuals there at the Alley Theater, Ms. Mary Sutton and Ms. Kathy Bentivenga. And they were able to recognize that that we that the Alley Theater needed to make a connection with the uh, or engage with the community. And obviously the growing community, uh, the, the largest demographic is Latinos. Uh, more specifically, there's a lot of Mexican population here in Houston. And so, and, and this is an organization and in the art world. So they came up with a Socalo uh, initiative, which is the initiative to engage with arts organizations and the artist community here in, in Houston. I came aboard this January will be my third year uh, there, uh, I will have my third year anniversary. And uh, since I've been there, we've been able to create and connect, create a lot of programming. And we'll share in a second the different programming that we created. But uh, we were able to to let the community know this is your theater. We were able to let the community know what we're doing here is going to be, uh, we're going to make sure that everything that we're going by the mission and the vision of EDIA efforts so that we can, you know, the, the, the plays and the theater can be accessible, uh, that it could be. Uh, so so that people could come in and they could see maybe a production where they see some Latino actors on stage where they can, you know, identify with them, play selections that 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 talk about themes that resonate with our community. Those are just some of the things that we've done there uh, with in connection with the productions at the Alley Theater. Now uh, we have over 70 
two uh, at Socalo advisory committee members from the elect Socalo initiative. We were able to, to create an advisory committee. And these are folks in our community that are excited about, uh, you know, moving, moving this artistic Latino artistic movement forward so that we can be able to uh, go and witness, be part of this, uh, of the productions or the storytelling, because we're in a storytelling industry, right? Be part of the story or go and enjoy those stories that resonate with us. And so having said that, I'd like for you to, to show some of the signature programs that we created since I got there, uh, you know, almost three years ago. So, so we're going to show yeah. some clips from some of the performances from Primer Borador. And I want to, I want to give people the context again. Okay. Yes, please. So, so October 3rd is a showcase of folks that we've been working with some over two decades. And that's important work because we want people to know that here are these folks shaping how we're perceived nationally, but they're from mm -hmm. our own backyard. But for our community, we do not have time or energy or the privilege to create art for only art's sake. So we're also at the same time cultivating community cultural capital See. from the youth level. You saw Alan, but with Primer Borador, even as all these other events are going on, even as the Alley Theater does its you know, internationally recognized performances, you're still working with community members to build the bench. You, you know, even as the big shows go on, we're still cultivating some of that. We're about to see some yeah. of those workshops, right? Now, before, before you do that, let me go ahead and I, and I apologize uh, uh, because I wanted to say a little bit more. I'm kind of coming down from cloud nine because we just recently had our story slam last night. And so I'm super excited and I uh, I, I, I overlook certain things. <laughs> so let me go ahead and share. You're absolutely right. It's about us at the Alley Theater connecting with the community. Uh, Latinos, uh, the, the event that we're having with you, uh, Latinos shaping the nation is so important for us, Tony. For those of you that don't know, Tony was there at the Alley Theater as part of the El Zócalo Initiative, El Zócalo Advisory Committee, before I got there. Hermano, tú eres un pionero, un pionero creativo, un pionero cultural. And because of you, the doors were opening up, opened up for other uh, uh, art industry uh, folks like myself to go into the theater and thus start creating change. Now, this event that we're having on October the 3rd is a place for the Alley Theater to connect with the community, bring the community inside, not just outreach, but enrich, have the, the, the folks come into the theater and to be able to celebrate by seeing, uh, hearing stories, by seeing, uh, celebrating uh, people that have made it into, you know, uh, this specific position or uh, they, they, they unos logros, unas metas grandísimas. And mm -hmm. to be able to do it in one of the largest regional theaters in the country, it's so amazing and it's so important that we continue to do this kind of work in the community. And I'm so blessed that we're able to do this collectively with you, Tony, to celebrate you, to celebrate all of the other panels. Russell Contreras, yo lo conocí cuando estaba en la Universidad de Houston. Right. Y, y te digo, estamos, estamos aquí para poder, eh, obviamente, elevarnos y hablar de cada uno de nosotros, los, las metas que hemos logrado, y hacerlo no nomás una ocasión. Mm -hmm. It's got to be an ongoing movement, exactly. and that's what we've been doing. Ali Theater, El Socalo Initiative, and the Advisory Committee. We 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 strongly believe in the values that you and all the folks that are going to be there at night, from on stage and off stage, and in the backstage and everything. Uh, that, that we believe in those values to be able to make some amazing, amazing progress in the cultural arts in in the industry mm -hmm. of storytelling. I appreciate your kind words and your commitment to this cause and doing the day-to-day -day work to make this happen. So thank you so much.
eso. <laughs> Esta promoción, uh, the, the, this promo video that you just saw here, uh, talks about um, uh, the different programs that we were able to create. You saw Primer Orador, uh, Instagram Takeover, Cuentos y Charras, uh, and, and these are these are just uh, retablos. Uh, these are some of the initial programming that we created to be able to to find an educational and engagement vehicle to connect with our with our community. Retablos, we invited the folks to the community to read a book called Retablos. Son las historias que, que, que Octavio Solis wrote, and he let us use this book called Retablos. Uh, and we got community members like uh, like state representative, uh, Texas state representative Cristina Morales. Tony, you were one of the readers as well. Adrian Garcia as well. Are, are, and, and, and so um, these folks came, they were able to read a relato, a retablo, vaya, from the book, Octavio Solis's book, and then we were able to showcase it. And this was during the time that we were in the pandemic. So we were trying to pivot and come up with programming that involved performances that could still go out in a virtual format. So Tratados proved to be very exciting. And then we did the, the, the Primer Borrador, which is so exciting. Primer Borrador is a direct translation to first draft. First draft of, of writing a book, first draft of telling a story, a first draft of writing poems. So the first draft program se convirtió en Primer Borrador and we were able to invite the community to take this 12-hour residency throughout the summer, throughout the, the fall, depending on, on this one, we just finished coming out of the summer. And then these students, they were able to learn how to tell a story, how to learn the format, what happens in the first That's minute, so what cool. happens in the middle, and, and, and then at the end, and then not only that, but how to get it in front of a group of folks, like Alan is going to do the day of the event, mm -hmm. and then say your story. Cuando, think no. about it, uh, Tony, when was the last time someone told me, hey, tell me your story, you know, or, or anybody, una, una persona que está trabajando, mm -hmm. you know, washing dishes at a, uh, or, or, or ironing or, you know, mm -hmm. just the, the, you know, the folks out and doing the, you know, the daily, the daily jobs here in our community. When was the last time someone said, tell me about your story? We have a lot of stories that are getting lost because we're not talking about it. And through Primer Borador, we were very strategically in getting these stories, teaching them to feel comfortable. And now folks that, that were part of that, they were able to come to the Alley Theater, get up on stage, That's invite so the cool. community, and share the story. I love it. Esta niña, esta niña es Camila Robles, um, and uh, uh, she uh, was able to, uh, she's 11 years old, she wants to be an actor, and she took part in the residency, and then she was so excited. Now, we didn't, we didn't tell you the story because we're going to go, we, we recently just did the story, they've been documented, and we're going to create a video, and then we're going to create an archive and invite the folks to go see it on our, on our, on our Alley Theater platform. That's coming fairly soon. These were the stories that we just got a showcase last night. So they're very fresh, but the, the storytelling process, uh, it could be for young people like uh, Camila Robles, who's only 11 years old. And she talked about the day I thought my grandmother was a witch. Now, here's the next one. Yes.
us October 3rd and celebrate 25 years of changing the world through literature at Nuestra Palabra 2022. Hear from current Texas Poet Laureate Lupe Mendez, playwright Alvaro Sarrios, race and justice reporter Russell Contreras, and many more. Experience full cultural immersion and celebrate the long-held tradition of Danza Azteca. And me, radio host, activist, and author Tony Diaz, El Libro Traficante. I'll be on hand to meet you sign my latest book, The Tip of the Pyramid. Reserve tickets today at NuestraPalabra.org. I love, too, that not only did they get the experience of the workshop, but they got to be on stage at the Alley Theater to a packed house. And that goes such a long way. A packed house of their community, of their family, of their friends, of their Latino leaders. That is just so impressive. Everybody, there was not a dry eye last night because some of the stories were were sad, some were happy. And the happy ones, people were crying because they were telling stories that that, that happened in 1960. There was this, uh, this one story uh, that was set uh, in 1965. And she remembers at four years old being there picking cotton or asking her father, her grandfather to help her pick cotton in the fields. One day the father, the grandfather says, okay, me venga ahí. So she got her bag and started filling. And when it came to pay time, sacó su bolsita, la tiró y salieron siete algodones. Pero no te da ese, I mean, doesn't that just, when it just embrace our culture and just, wow, just to, to some of these stories take us back, or, you know, take us down memory lane, how important it is to do that and to not let those stories get lost. So yes, these two students, Veronica and Camila, I just wanted to show you those intros so you could see that the, the age group, it doesn't matter how young or how old, mm-hmm. you have a story to tell at the Alley Theater. At Alley Theater, we want to create those platforms, those educational vehicles, so that you as a community can be part of that. So we're gonna open up another cohort you know, coming up in the fall, yes. and then uh, to get another group of students—I mean, students, or young and old—to uh, participate in. And, and uh, later, when you get an opportunity uh, to, to we'll, we'll come back on your show or send you the link, uh, Tony, so you can invite the folks to look at the actual stories uh, yeah, that right. these folks. We had 12 participants, and we were just so excited to be able to document the story, t- teach them how to document the story, and now because they were recorded, they're going to live in a museum, they can live anywhere. And, you know, you could tell those stories to the next generation and generations of, of our families. I love it. And uh, I tell you what, so you got Primer Borador, you have so many different aspects. You're also going to showcase some other singers besides Alan on October 3rd. Uh, give us the names yeah. of those other performers and tell us a little bit about their trajectories. Yeah, so we have Jada Dalila Martinez and she's a young girl uh, who uh, actually she started um, she started uh, having an affinity for singing when the pandemic, the pandemic started. So she was self-taught. She went on YouTube. She started practicing. And so now her mother has... Um, as, 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 you know, supported her by making the dresses. And that's not when she performed, the day that she's performing, she's gonna have this beautiful, beautiful uh, uh, folkloric dress, lleno de muchos emblems y, uh, you know, eh, eh, flores, algo hermosísimo. And the first time that I was able to, to listen to her, she played La Llorona. She sang La Llorona and it was wow. amazing. Anoche, a todo mundo estaba llorando porque cantó eh, Paloma Negra. Wow. And it's just, so su vocecita tan pequeña tiene 13 años, tan pequeña la niña, y obviamente, eh, pero con una voz esota grandísima y con esa, o sea, to be able to see our young people like Alan and, and Kera to get up and with confidence sing 
to a group of, of mm -hmm. audience members on the right, on the left, in the front. This was in the Newhouse Theater. It's just amazing. So we have Keira Dalila Martinez who's going to join us that evening. And we also have Eduardo Trevino. Eduardo Trevino, él toca el, el, la guitarra. Ok, toca la guitarra y canta, so él no toca con pista, él mismo se acompaña con la guitarra y ese niño, ay, está chiquito, se para y está aquí, me, me llega como aquí, pero tiene igual the voice and the, 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 the synchronization of the movement of the hands, you know, I'm not a music person, you know, I sing in the shower, but so, so this coordination <laughs> with that just is in awe, I'm in awe of this young person who, who uh, started singing when he was seven years old, uh, excuse me, excuse me, six years old, six years old. Wow. And so, and so now uh, he's going to be there uh, and he's going to uh, uh, enlighten us with the beautiful music. And again, this is music, traditional cultural music that uh, that us and our that, that our parents. I'm excited because aquí tengo mi viejito, el señor Valdemar Rodríguez Lizcano, that's going to, I'm going to take him on October 3rd, have him sit down so he can Wonderful. see the Azteca dancers, to see us talking up there and to hear this beautiful music that I'm sure is going to take him back and remember so many different things that life unfortunately has has uh, created a uh, 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 memory loss and so what you're doing the platform that you're creating tony is making this comeback please do not wait till the last minute to register we had a full house sold out event and a lot of folks ended up in a waiting list so don't do that make sure that you get your tickets secure tickets for you your family whoever you get as many tickets you want but don't wait till the last minute ahí los esperamos Join us October 3rd and celebrate 25 years of changing the world through literature at Nuestra Palabra 2022. Hear from current Texas Poet Laureate Lupe Mendez, playwright Alvaro Sarrios, race and justice reporter Russell Contreras, and many more. Experience full cultural immersion and celebrate the long-held tradition of Danza Azteca. And me, radio host, activist, and author Tony Diaz, El Libro Traficante. I'll be on hand to meet you and sign my latest book, The Tip of the Pyramid. Reserve tickets today at NuestraPalabra.org. We're joined by an alum of Nuestra Palabra who is having a huge impact on the nation. And we want to talk about his local roots as well as some of the major projects he has going on. So first, I, I got to say hi to him because he's a dear friend and he's helped our movement get to where it is right now. He's changing the world. He's homegrown as well. So we're also proud of him. Hey, Russell Contreras, welcome back, brother. Thanks for having me. It's a pleasure to be with you. Great to see you again. And of course, you are now the national race and justice reporter at Axios. And you have some other major announcements as well. So we're going to be celebrating that as well as celebrating your participation in the Nuestra Palabra October 3rd showcase at the Alley Theater. That's at 6 p.m. Admission is free, but you do have to RSVP in order to get a ticket. Because of the 700 seats, we got to allocate you the right seat, and we don't want folks to, to show up and not have a seat. So you can go to nuestrapalabra.org to click through to reserve your free or free tickets. And again, that's going to be on Monday, October 3rd, 6 p.m. at the Alley Theater, downtown Houston. Of course, there is a 5 p.m. reception as well. And after the, the show, you'll also have a chance to meet the artist. We come to you in person. We did it back in 1998 at the Party Hall at Chapultepec Restaurant, where Russell was one of the founding members of Nuestra Palabra. And we've gone from the Party Hall at Chapultepec Restaurant 
to the main stages in America and now to cyberspace to walk towards uh, your roots because at this stage you're making a clear case that you're you're a counter movement to all the journalists leaving the field additionally you're bringing this new platform for more local news you're positioning it where now there'll be more discussion for for all these issues where before there was it was limiting uh, we didn't have enough journalists on the ground and this is a really powerful experiment for axios and i know that just from the way you've approached even just the Latino topics, you've really add so many nuances and layers to the conversation just when you started. So tell us a little bit about that. How long ago did you start with Axios? And it seems as if the administration there does want you to complicate issues, uh, you know, really get into the more complicated parts and talk about a, a very more profound approach to the Latino demographic. That's right. I started in November of 2020, right after the election, after 12 years at the Associated Press. And before that, I was at the Boston Globe. And before that, I was at the Albuquerque Journal and AP. And of course, I got my start there in Houston at the Houston Press. So it's been years in the making. And I really was blown away by the new energy with Axios. It was a startup. It started in 2017. They have this format called Smart Brevity, where you it looks like these that you get stories and it's put in a format that is really easy to read on a phone or mobile device. And that's what people want. They're consuming all their news on mobile devices. And currently right now, before Axios, it was very difficult to read news on mobile devices because people were writing for the web or presenting stories for the web are still presenting in a print format. The web is secondary and mobile was, was thought in a third way. But yet that's where everybody was resting and getting their news. So what Axios did is, what if we flipped that and made the news consumption priority on a mobile device? How would that do? And we've seen the growth with Axios just tremendous since 2017. The, the growth is great. We were just acquired by Cox Enterprise, and they're investing $25 million into local and expanding. We want to be in 100 cities for the next year or two. Uh, we're trying to get in 25 cities by the end of this year. Um, we're going we'll open up an office in San Antonio and we just announced five more cities in San Diego, uh, wow. Cleveland to be part of it, New Orleans. So this is real uh, where people are pulling back on local journalism. We're actually going in my former job, uh, employee, the Associated Press. They're actually pulling away from local coverage, not, not reporting about the states, but reporting from the states. And we're actually going in and saying, no, we want to give you what's important to Houston, not what's important to Houston that a dentist in Baltimore would, would read. No, what's important to the people of Houston, what's going on with school boards, what's going on with elections, what's going on with basic things like the elevation or the stoppage of a major artery, uh, a freeway. Mm -hmm. Those are things that will be important because it affects the economy. And coming to Axios, I was allowed to do nuanced journalism, this, this thing that, to really paint what this complicated picture about Latinos, African-Americans, Asian-Americans, what's going on in the country? Because a lot of times when we see coverage, it's either real critical or it's cultural cheerleading. Look at all this great stuff we're doing, and we're not being honest with each other. If we take the issue of oil and gas, for example, um, we really, when we when you dis dissect it, it's a really complicated, uh, complex issue around how this affects our community. And I'm here in New Mexico. New Mexico's revenue here, largely funded by oil and gas revenue. We cannot have an educational system without oil and gas. And if you go to the eastern part of the city, most of the employees who work in the oil and gas field are Latino, Mexican-Americans, Mexican immigrants. 
So when you have a really in the totality discussion about how we should get off fossil fuels and, and, and everybody will agree that we eventually need to get to a point where we have a balanced energy approach. But if you talk to those oil and gas workers, they're resistant because what they see is progressives coming in and saying your job is no longer relevant. I can you know, you can't work at this 90 to $150,000 a year job in the oil and gas field. You're going to we're going to eliminate it. And so the question is, OK, well, who are you going to replace it with? Right now, theoretically, they'll say we're going to replace it with green jobs. Well, there's no green job right now that can make that much money and sustain that kind of living. So if someone's making that money. They use it the breadwinner of the family. And, men, you know, it is men and women who are in this field, Navajos, um, Native Americans, people out in North Dakota, uh, people in South Dakota. If you eliminate those jobs, what are you going to replace it with? And there hasn't been a fundamental good conversation of like, OK, you're leaving this job. What job are you going to have? on Monday. You're leaving Friday. What's job on Monday? They don't want job training. <laughs> they don't want uh, theoretical good. Oh, we're going to solar jobs and all that. Okay, great. Are you going to pay me the same salary? And that hasn't happened yet. So until that happens, you're going to get resistance. Yes, climate change is on, is on the table. But unless you have a comprehensive talk, well, how can you move somebody from these high paying jobs to other high paying jobs and actually want to give them a raise? Unless you have that conversation, you're going to have resistance and we're not going to have a good fundamental uh, discussion because you can move those Latinos to, say, wind farms, but wind farms only hire a fraction of the employees that oil and gas uh, does. Not only that, the, the highest paying job is the dude that goes around all the wind turbines and picking up dead birds that the wind time wrecks kill. So you can get a job for 15 hour an hour picking up dead birds where you had a job, 90,000 working in a field. And it's dangerous, yes. But those are conversations we have. We have to also talk about what happens to the workers afterwards and working in the field all these years. So those are conversations we need to have and we need to cover that justly. Join us October 3rd and celebrate 25 years of changing the world through literature at Nuestra Palabra 2022. Hear from current Texas Poet Laureate Lupe Mendez, playwright Alvaro Sarrios, race and justice reporter Russell Contreras, and many more. Experience full cultural immersion and celebrate the long-held tradition of Danza Azteca. And me, radio host, activist, and author Tony Diaz, El Libro Traficante. I'll be on hand to meet you to sign my latest book, The Tip of the Pyramid. Reserve tickets today at and when you mentioned bringing a local perspective, we got to talk about your, uh, you grew up here in Houston, so it's great to have you doing national work, but of course with the local sensibility. And let's take a walk down memory lane, and we're going to be celebrating this, of course, October 3rd at the Alley Theater. Um, but let's give some shout outs. So uh, if you shout out the high school you went to and the college you went to, a lot of our viewers and listeners are going to be familiar with, right? So tell us about that. Well, I, I grew up in the Aldine area in Erica's Homes, um, Inwood, Forest, Greenfield Village, that area. And I went to Eisenhower High School, graduated in 92. And after that, I went to the University of Houston where I got my BA in English and um, history. Well, I got my BA in history and English. And then started a graduate program in history, but but was working as a journalist. And that's where I got started. I, I started at the Houston Cougar, or the Daily Cougar, as we called it back then. And now it's called the Cougar. And after that, I went to New York, where I got into, after I was getting involved in Nuestra Palabra, I do the MFA initiative and got into the Columbia School uh, of Arts, which uh, I got into the MFA program. Um, and the MFA program prepared me for um, an MFA in creative nonfiction, where I graduated in 20, um, 2002. 
while I was there, I created a chapter of Nuestra Palabra, which exactly. we call our word. Mm-hmm. And we'll be cel- we celebrated our 20th year last year, but we didn't have an event because of COVID. So I think we're going to try to do a 20-year celebration this year, this nice. March. So nice. it was, we did, I did go and try to plant a seed um, for Nuestra Palabra. It was called Our Word, but it was a gathering of writers of color because I went that many Latinos. Now it's uh, very, way more diverse than it is now, this program. And after that, I, I just launched my journalism career. I started the Associated Press in New Jersey and then in New York. I was there um, in New York for September 11th and then the blackout. And then I moved to Albuquerque and then Boston. Uh, and since then, I'm now I've come back to Albuquerque, been working at the AP and then now Axios. So it's been all at the totality prepared me for the type of journalism I do is in covering diverse communities because Houston, Iowa High School was one of the most diverse at the time. Um, mm-hmm. This is the height of integration. And it was evenly, almost evenly divided. It was largely African-American, but we had a significant number of uh, white students and Latino students. And to be honest, I've been trying to chase that. I've been trying to return to environments that have been that diverse ever since. And I've been trying to go to a workplace <laughs> or everything else. It's been very difficult because when I was there, I thought this is where the way the world's going to be. And it was very promising. And a lot of places I have not found that. The closest I found, I found that is Axios when it's diversity, but mm. it, it's something I've been chasing my whole life. And it started with Houston. Well, and I think what's also fantastic too, is that you're also just in your trajectory, you're defying stereotypes in that, I'm sure right now there's a parent having a conversation with a student and saying, listen, I don't want you to get an MFA or I don't want you to study uh, English as a major. (laughs) You did both of those. And here you are creating new paths for others. Um, You know, there may be someone who's a writer in the Alden area right now. I promise you that we have some events in the Alden area who may feel discouraged, not hearing a, a voice that they can relate to. We're here to tell them that folks from Alding are changing the world. And like you said, you sought that diversity and now you're creating that diversity. And now you're making a space for others to get involved. Because even that act creating our word at the Columbia University, the prestigious creative writing program, that was huge. Um, People might not, let me ask you this. Someone might not understand why that's so huge because it's in New York uh, and they say, well, they're already a master's degree program. Why is that? Why was that so important then? It was important because Columbia at the time was ranked number two in creative writing. Um, It was behind Iowa. And I think those numbers have changed since Mm -hmm. it was the heart of the literature world right there. Uh, Mm -hmm. It's where the publishing world exists and where a lot of writers went right across the street from where I stayed. um, The beat writers hung out. Jack Kerouac mm-hmm. and Allen Ginsberg. Um, not too far from where I was living, two blocks was Harlem. And that's where uh, James Baldwin and um, all the writers at the time from the Harlem Renaissance were hanging out. Richard Wright. They had really intense debates there. Uh, and when I was walking in school, I, I, there were, I started reading that all these famous black writers from the time of Baldwin on had either gone to school there, studied there, had mingled there. So there was a space for us, but yet it hadn't been celebrated yet. And so what I was trying to do with our word is to say, no, this is this writing space is ours too. We have the history. It's surrounded by us. Um, a mile or two away was Spanish Harlem where we had the, the, the New Yorkian poets movement. And yes, that was around. And here was the center and it wasn't being celebrated mm-hmm. 
Um, not because of, there was resistance, because people just didn't know, and we needed mm-hmm. a conduit. And we started bringing this all together. And when we had our first um, R word reading, there was a there was a poet named Tongo who came and spoke. He was an undergrad, and now he's the poet laureate of San Francisco. Awesome. So it, it was it was an amazing experience that we did this and kind of reset the button and said, no, no, this writing is all you. It's not just um, Ernest Hemingway mm-hmm. and the Faulkners, which were essential in understanding American literature. But American literature was much larger than that. Edward Gonzalez, mm-hmm. for example, who wrote um, a beautiful memoir, was it was one of the first, if not the first um, Latino graduate from the interfaith program at Columbia. But we've have sort of forgotten about him. His, his novel or his his memoir a family installment. It's kind of a memoir slash fiction, uh, a beautiful book, but it was the only book he read or ever mm-hmm. wrote. And mm-hmm. he was essential in training a number of, of writers from Juno Diaz to Ernesto Quinones, but he died September 10th, 2001, right before September 11th. So he never wow. was given his due, but he set the ground for us and he was the one who opened the door. And I came in and saw this and I said, we got to celebrate this. This is not about me. It's continuing because people who uh, writers of color who go on who don't have the financing to finance their MFA, they get a stipend to uh, to really awesome. um, lead this group, but also help them with their education. Join us October 3rd and celebrate 25 years of changing the world through literature at Nuestra Palabra 2022. Hear from current Texas Poet Laureate Lupe Mendez, playwright Alvaro Sarrios, race and justice reporter Russell Contreras, and many more. Experience full cultural immersion and celebrate the long-held tradition of Danza Azteca. And me, radio host, activist, and author Tony Diaz, El Libro Traficante. I'll be on hand to meet you sign my latest book, The Tip of the Pyramid. Reserve tickets today at NuestraPalabra.org. Let's take it back to 1998, the party hall of Chapultepec restaurant. And I want to remind folks, we convened there with some of the writers, activists, thinkers who you're going to see again, October 3rd, 2022, 6 PM at the alley theater. And I want to remind folks, we were not sure we were correct, but we had a feeling. And what I want to remind folks is that we had talent like yourself. We're going to get to see Alvaro Sarrios again. And we were demanding to have our voices heard. Wasn't clear that that would be the case, but we were defying odds then. And I, I just want to look back at that moment because even right now, I'm sure there are folks that need inspiration, may feel overwhelmed, may feel as if they are working in vain. But um, I remember, Russell, you were part of that leading team part of that early founding members of Nuestra Palabra, with your experience in journalism and your love of literature, you were helping us make news, uh, you were helping us get coverage, but also you were bringing writers, you were bringing attendees, and you were presenting your work on stage as well. Uh, wh- what do you remember from those moments? I remember I remember you reading, your, your novel came out, Aztec Love God, and so right. you needed a space to read, and so... You kicked it off. You read a piece. And then we had Ethan Cash Brammer, who was right. at the time in the MFA. Well, right. he was in the PhD program of career writing and we all became great friends. Uh, he was a poet. Incidentally, I introduced him to his wife because he was reading. <laughs> he was coming to New York for pitching a movie. And uh, I had a friend who I her name was Sandra Gonzalez, who was at Columbia studying in the education. I introduced him. I just wanted them to hang out, get to know each other possibly make out or whatever, but they ended up, they ended up hitting off and they got married and now they live in Detroit and they have two beautiful kids. So Nuestra Palabra, they're actually a Nuestra Palabra couple. Um, so I remember that. I remember um, 
um, Alvaro reading um, P, uh, a short story about Peter G or a, a kind of a memoir of synop synopsis about him um, it, mm -hmm. dealing with poverty and buying jeans that had the word <laughs> Peter G at a thrift store and him recreating who Peter Z was this rock star <laughs> and it, it was a commentary on poverty but imagination and it was a very powerful thing and it and he, he read it but he also performed it so I knew mm -hmm. this guy wasn't just going to be a writer. He was going to be the state. He was the stage was his place. Mm -hmm. So you could see the development of writers really transforming before our eyes. Mm -hmm. You had a lot of people, some, you know, my, my good friend, Claudio Macias, her mm -hmm. grandfather came and was reading with mariachis combination mm -hmm. of singing and reading poetry. And he was a bootmaker. This was mm -hmm. a, a, a salt of the earth guy who came mm -hmm. in, but was still felt literature had a space for him. So it was beautiful to see the professional writers, but then your everyday people coming in and said, I've been writing, you know, in my own room on silence. I'm in between mm -hmm. evenings to keep myself alive. And the, the writing was great because it was now we're being shared and inspired people who didn't said, you know, I can do this. Uh, you know, I, I'm going to mm -hmm. take a shot. So Sarah Cortez, the poet, you, you had mm -hmm. other people who were teaching, writing some published work out of this. Mm -hmm. So it was a very powerful thing out of 1998. Uh, and it sustained itself. I mean, it grew into New York and we, we started mm -hmm. traveling around the country. We we're getting national attention at a time where people said, well, we, we want Latino writers, but we can't find them. Well, we gave them to them. And now it's coming up again. People are like, we want Latino writers. I was just talking to a writer friend of mine who's published. Um, he does Afrofuturism uh, and he published a wonderful book on a uh, novel about the Black Panther, Jesse Holland. And he's telling me, bro, I'm going to conventions and publishers want Latino futurist writers. They want speculative fish, fiction writers who are Latino, who are doing science fiction. Do you know anybody? They're begging for it. Um, so we have a lot of different spaces to enter. I think the world is changing. It's not that the struggle is not over, um, especially with the, the debate around American dirt, as, as you were involved mm -hmm. in. But the anger about American dirt, I think it, it can be misconstrued that it was a, an attempt to ban the book. No, it wasn't an attempt to ban the book. You can read it if you want. Mm -hmm. But it was a commentary. It's like, well, why can this piece of work get published, whether you like it or not, but others who are writing about the same thing cannot? Exactly. Who's stopping us? So that's the debate that needs to be happening. Oh, man, what a wonderful walk down memory lane. I, I should also point out, too, that we're not going to be able to have everybody at, at this particular one showcase. This is going to be one of many celebrations into next year, which is the formal 25th anniversary and you're, you're giving us some great shout outs we got to hang out with Ephraim <laughs> again uh, so we we got to hang out with uh, our words so uh let's touch bases Russell maybe we got to do a little tour around all Absolutely. these areas you know um and, and just re revisit that history I do want folks to know that uh, Brian Paras high tech Aztec he archived a lot of that history uh, along with Carlos Calbio, Alice Canastero Garcia. So we're going through recapturing some of that. So we're going to do a campaign to get more, some donations to get it out there because it is a little technical. Um, we're, we're having the, the cultural discussion here. The technical side, um, I've seen formats I don't even remember. And, and people can probably remember CDs to A-tracks to cassettes. It's been similar on video. So some of those moments you've mentioned, we do have archive, but we don't even have the tools to watch it anymore. <laughs> <laughs> the technology has changed. Yeah, there's no, we don't have tapes in the, the CDs. You have to actually buy a special um, 
uh, ad on your computer. Even mm -hmm. I, I couldn't even, I could, was going to get the iPhone 4 and I'm like, I wouldn't be able to watch it on iPhone 4, <laughs> right? I can't watch it on my Mac here. There's no way unless I buy an extension. It could be done, but it's, it's, it requires some work. So no, I, I totally agree. And we, we, I mean, we recorded like with tapes. We got some digital stuff later in life uh, and as the program came. But even that format is hard to, you, you've got to download some things. And sometimes you're downloading spyware just to, to just to listen to something else. And, and an ad will come up in the middle of your presentation as part of the deal. So it's hard, but it's there and we can figure this out. And there's just so much to talk to. We're going to share you with your, your familia here in Houston, Texas. So I want to remind folks, uh, they get to meet you in person um, several times. But also on Monday, October 3rd, they'll see you perform. That'll be from 6 p.m. to 7.30. They will have a little meet and greet ahead of time if they want to get there early, uh, beat traffic and get a little nibble and, and a little soft drink. That From 5 to 6, there'll be a little meet and greet ahead of time. And then there'll be a meet the artist afterwards as well if you can hang out for a little bit. Uh, I, I think there's some people that will hear this and say, I'd love for my nieto, I'd love for my nephew, my, my brother and sister, they want to be a writer. Maybe it's a teacher in high school. Maybe it's someone going to Eisenhower right now that's saying, hey, these students need to know that you did it. They can do it, too. So I want to invite people to, to come and meet you. Um, everyone knows, Nashie, that you're a genius, though. We knew ahead of time. And it's beautiful to see all the work that you're doing. I have to say the, the my, my proudest moment is that I invited my sister to read a, a young College student, and, and now, mm -hmm. as you know, Leslie Contreras-Swartz, she is the, well, is the outgoing one. She was the Poet Laureate of Houston mm -hmm. for two years, and she continues to do great things. Publishes now, working on her next book. She's published way more than I have, and she's <laughs> way more famous than I, I could ever be, and she'll always be that way. Much better writer, and that's one of my <laughs> proudest achievements, is getting her in the space. We got to give a shout out to that, because I remember her reading the same night as Elena Maria Viramontes, and Elena was... Right. Uh, amazed as we always were and there's you're right there's another voice that started here in our backyard is changing the world and clearly we are right and the rest of the world is wrong we're happy to we're generous we're happy that they can catch up <laughs> and we're happy that all can, continues to grow russell russell thank you so much for changing the world we've been chatting with russell contreras from axios news he is changing the world. So uh, thank you again. And uh, you'll be joining us on Monday, October 3rd at the Alley Theater. It's free, but you do need the RSVP, your ticket. You can go to nuestrapalabra.org to get your ticket. There are 700 seats, but we have to make sure that you have your allotted seat. So you may go to that website. Again, it is free. And we want to thank the Cultural Capital team. We want to thank Roxana Guzman, who is our multi-platform producer. She is working today with Diana Lopez, who is a veterana of Nuestra Palabra and one of the co-founders of the Libre Tafica de Caravan. Also, Brian Paras, co-founder of Libre Tafica de Caravan. He is also helping produce today. Shout out to Rodrigo Bravo Jr., who produces our audio broadcast, which appears on and is heard on 90.1 FM KPFT. Again, Dear listeners, you know that KPFT is listener-sponsored. So if you can, please budget for a donation to KPFT. And if you can, we appreciate it if you go to kpft.org, 
make a donation in the name of Nuestra Palabra, Latino Writers Heaven to Say, so we can do our part to keep the whole station going. And I'm Tony Diaz, Libertafricante, author of The Tip of the Pyramid, Cultivating Community Cultural Capital. I really appreciate your attention, your time, and supporting the arts. So thank you, all of you. Russell, thank you once again, brother. Looking forward to hanging out October 3rd.